Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. How's it going tonight, Grump? We're uh, we're in NFL Draft Eve, getting ready for uh, Christmas in April. Yeah. Excited? We are less than 24 hours away from what has sadly become a red carpet affair, but it's still exciting to me nonetheless. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get into it. We've been doing our uh, our draft previews all week of different positions. You know, kind of what our what the state of the Giants are, what we're looking at, and some of the uh, the guys we can realistically target around twenty three and in, in the second and third round. So, what do we have left for tonight? What we have left is called the I didn't realize our depth was that bad positions, which these are these are two spots left on the roster that we haven't covered yet, where we have probably the greatest strength on offense and the greatest strength on defense as far as starters go and no strength at all in our depth or far less strength than I think most people imagine. So we're going to be going over wide receivers and cornerbacks. So we'll start with wide receivers since that is the clear strength of the offense. The projected starters we have uh, are obviously Beckham. Uh, Sterling Shepard will be playing the slot again. Uh, I expect better things from him this year. Not that he was bad last year, but the first year as a wide receiver is exceedingly difficult to learn a whole new offense, and the slot position has a very complicated route tree to begin with. So I expect a different Sterling Shepard to emerge this year. Um, And newly acquired Brandon Marshall will be playing the outside opposite Beckham um, with his much larger frame than Victor Cruz should be able to produce quite a bit yeah you know and Sterling Shepard now becomes a three instead of really a two and it's a lot less responsibility on him and a lot less uh shadowing by the defense too he's not going to be someone it's you know you know there's gonna be a lot of attention brought on Beckham and a lot of attention on Brandon Marshall in certain situations so he should be being covered by a nickel or being covered by somebody else is definitely going to help him out too so Sure, and he has he has a lot of strength running the crossing routes over the middle of the field he was responsible for converting more than three or four fourth and ones, and each time he did it, he was wide open. I mean, he he has the skill set to juke guys out of their jockstrap. <laughs> um, I ex- I expect that to be on full display this year. Yeah. However, behind those three, there's some scary depth there. Um, I expect that our number four is going to be Roger Lewis Jr. this year, and there's a couple reasons I think that. For starters, Roger Lewis had some off-the-field issues which prevented him from being a guy that was drafted in probably the third round. I had seen some projections for him initially, and he started to tumble a little bit, and there were some concerns already that the mental part of his game wasn't as high up there as the as the other wide receivers, but then his off-the-field issues completely wiped him off the draft class. But I actually expect him to push for the fourth wide receiver spot. He'll be on the field. He'll see time in four wide receiver sets if we ever run them. And he can spell, you know, Marshall if need be. But uh, I think Roger Lewis is somebody who's going to step up a little bit too. But behind that, there's just Tavares King, who, if at this point in his career hasn't really found a spot for himself, I don't think he ever is going to. And Dwayne Harris, who in his first year with us, actually played a pretty decent role in the offense but last year took a step back and I think only had one touchdown and maybe a handful of catches less than 10 for sure yeah I mean we spent a lot of money on on Dwayne Harris and that first year the expectation was he was going to be more of a receiver as well as just a special teams guy and that definitely regressed last year um 
you know, you made an interesting comment. You said if we ever go into four wide receiver sets, and I, I think, you know, with the upgrade in talent, I think you're going to see us go away a lot from as much of that base eleven offense as, as we had. You know, again, to be determined if we pick up a, a, a tight end in the draft, but I think you're going to see a little more uh, variation in formations than, than we had last year. So that will also help the uh, the passing game in these receivers too. I certainly hope so. I think I I think in order to utilize the talent that we have at wide receiver and even in even in the running back field, there just needs to be more diversity. Defenses need to be a little bit thrown off their alignment. I think even just you, you know, I, I know that they use the up tempo to kind of get favorable matchups, right? When when you're on a first and ten, you have a certain defense out there, but then you get to a, a second and two and you want to throw out a different defense out there, but when you're up tempo and you have the speed on the outside, I know I know it creates mismatches, but I think so does subbing out into unexpected packages and you know, some things like that that was not utilized. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between the uh, up tempo and the no huddle and just like a quick speed. So, you know, I, I think we was it hit McAdoo's first year as coordinator when we started doing some more of that up tempo, and it seemed like it was pretty effective. Oh yeah, so for sure. yeah, yeah. I, again, I think it goes back to the the trust this coaching staff has, and it starts with the offensive line. That I think they they know more than we do, and they know what the offensive line is and what the you know the limitations that it had, you know, which caused the bad running game. It caused everything else. So, I think they just meant to simplify the offense just to try to minimize the potential for Eli getting killed. Yeah. So, hopefully, with improvements in talent, that the, the that risk goes down and there's more chance for it, you know, to be more diverse. Yeah, and and the up tempo and the the no huddle offense requires a rhythm. Otherwise, you just go three and out really quickly, and your defense is back on the field already gassed from the last drive. That rhythm requires being able to fire on all cylinders and not having glaring deficiencies. And one of the deficiencies that the offense had last year was some size on the outside. I think the tallest guy we had playing, well, the tallest was, I think, Tavares King, who's, I think, 6'1 or something like that, but he didn't see a whole lot of the field. Yeah, how, how often was he on the field, too? So yeah. in, our, in our base 11 offense, our tallest guy was either Victor Cruz or Beckham. They're both six feet tall, roughly. And they're smurfs. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's my height, just, you know, to keep <laughs> to keep it in realistic terms. But the sign, So before the signing of Brandon Marshall earlier this year, this was extremely high on my draft list. And I know a lot of people thought, like, oh, offensive line, how could you not go offensive line? And it was pretty obvious that we weren't utilizing the talent we already had. What's the point of having Beckham if he's all you've got? You need something to complement him, even if it's just size and red zone presence. Um, adding Brandon Marshall certainly helps that, but we're all aware of Brandon Marshall's age, and he's he's really signed for two years, and I think there's like an opt-out clause for one year. So he's a stopgap solution, albeit a really good signing. But this is still a spot that I think they could stand to upgrade for the future. And this draft class is actually stacked with some really good wide receivers. Uh, the most obvious one is Mike Williams from Clemson. And he, I mean, this guy's a monster. He's a, a, a true red zone threat because he's got such, I don't want to say such great hands because he actually does have inconsistent hands. And that's his only drawback in my opinion. But his ability to go get the ball and make contested 50-50 catches is what separates him, as well as the fact that he's 6'4", 
218. He's also a really good route runner, which coming out of college is usually the thing that separates the first round picks from the third round picks is how many routes they're able to run and how well they're able to run them. This guy's already polished and ready to go. And he he comes in the mold of Clemson wide receivers like Sammy Watkins that they just kind of churn out one crazy monster year after year. I mean, is he is he a guy that's going to last to 23? No. I, I yeah. <laughs> it, uh, we're we're going to get to like our mock or my mock up later on, you know, dream scenarios, but the more I look at this draft class, it's such a it's such a mess whenever there's no true one and two quarterback in the class like this one because you know that they shouldn't go really high those quarterbacks right but But, somebody panics (laughs) but but it always happens and you're just not sure who it is when it's going to happen and when that happens it affects everything that happens after so i'm gonna say he shouldn't last till 23 but i i certainly think that in a draft class like this anything can happen and i i really do mean that there's a few guys i don't expect to fall and that's like miles garrett or jonathan allen (laughs) Those guys are not going to make it. But beyond just a few guys, I'm not sure that anyone is safe, you know? I, I, did you see a whole lot of Mike Williams in, in college? I mean, just, you know, in the playoff and the championship game and when they played Florida State. And he's just, you're right. He's a guy that just is always in the, the, the right position to get a 50-50, like you mentioned. You know, he's just a, a physically, a guy, you saw him, and he's like, this guy is an NFL receiver in it, you know. Like, all these different receivers are the last name of Williams who've been playing for the last 10, 15 years, whether they're from Pitt or wherever they're from, Georgia Tech. He just looks like a guy that's just going to be, you know, a go-to number one receiver. And, right, would be a perfect compliment for Beckham for the next, you know, few years down the line when Marshall's gone. It'd be, it'd be a bold pick. It'd be definitely something that people would scratch their head about, but like you said, it would make perfect sense to, if he was around to get him. Sure, yeah. What the Giants are certainly lacking is size. So I want to take this one right off the board. I know he's a playmaker, and I know he wowed everybody. But John Ross from Washington, who ran the fastest recorded combine 40 time of 4.22, I don't think he's in the Giants' top 50 players, mainly because he's only 5'11". I know that... He has insane speed. I know that he's actually a really good route runner, and a lot of that has to do with his speed. He's able to do those stop routes really well because he's able to accelerate and deaccelerate so well. Um, and he's got good hands that are nice and reliable. And he's elusive once he gets the ball. It's all the things that we want for this offense. But the thing that we are lacking is size. And at 5'11", I just don't see taking him at all. I just I can't I can't make that happen. Well, here's the thing, and I hate to say this, you know, I don't want to scare Giant fans are, but are we 100% convinced Beckham is going to be re-signed? No, I don't, I don't think... I, I mean, you know, planning I, for the, we have too many of the same type of receiver, I, I think the way the NFL is now, I, I think you get the best available, I, and he's not going to last. I, I've seen Ross, you know, he's another guy all over the map, but he keeps seems to be trending higher and higher. It's... it's Kind of like the quarterback where people fall in love with one particular skill set. In this case, this guy's speed. And they're like, I just can't pass him up. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to last anywhere near where we're going to pick. But, again, another type of guy where if someone like that falls, I get it might be duplication of size and, and skill set. But I, I think they would take him. Well, you think so? And, and, and not worry so much about the, well, it's the same receiver you know, I, I think that's something that you know defenses have to worry about more than us having saying we have the same thing. Well, it's interesting. So you brought up something. That, okay, so so one of the things that I don't I, I think what separates a guy who's five eleven and that fast from 
Odell Beckham, who's only an inch taller. You know what I mean? I don't want I don't want to diminish the fact that like five eleven, like he's some shrimp or anything like that. But he's not very effective in the red zone. He's not like like Beckham is only an inch taller, but he's he's a pretty big asset in the red zone. And a lot of it has to do with his route running ability, the way he makes fifty fifty catches. His hands are absolutely insane, and just his leaping ability. John Ross doesn't have any of that. Um, his route running is pretty good, but uh, he he doesn't have insane leaping ability or crazy hands or, you know, anything like that. But, but we got a Brandon Marshall for something like that too. That's very true. That's very true. But like I said, Marshall is a stopgap solution. Mm-hmm. So, but you did touch on something interesting. Uh, on a hundred percent convinced that Odell Beckham is going to be re-signed. I'm gonna say that I'm ninety-five percent sure. Yeah, and I don't think it's a question because oh, it is. You know, off the field, you know, his theatrics nope. and all of the temper tantrum. I just think that he's going to ask for the moon. Sure. I mean, he's going to ask for a ridiculous, ridiculous contract. And it might be something where we may not think it's worth it. You know, and I could see a team coming in, some some team with a ton of cap space. I mean, there's some of these Jacksonvilles out there that, you know, have $100 million under the cap and they have to spend money. And as much as Beckham loves playing in New York, I would not rule out the fact that he's chasing the green. Sure. But here's where I think the Giants have a little bit of leverage. And it's not leverage against Beckham. It's just leverage against other teams offering him what he wants. Is that by the time he's up, I think Eli Manning is gone. And I think that that's a huge weight off of the cap. And our starting quarterback will either be a cheaper free agent quarterback or a draft on a rookie that's, contract. That's not exactly a real selling pitch for Odell Beckham to stay no, with the Giants. It's not a selling pitch to, to have. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's kind of like a But it's, it's like the ability to have the money to give him what he wants. That's true. That's what but, I'm saying. You know, we'll have the space then in that scenario to keep him. That's true. Isn't Eli's last contract year the same year when the three defensive linemen are up as well? No. Aren't they both done, aren't they all done in 2020? I think Eli ends before that. I thought he was done in 2019. I thought he was 2020. We'll check that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll you uh, just out. giant podcast fact checkers. You can you know <laughs> you can tweet at us that we're wrong, but I, I think they're all the same year. They might be, but I mean either way. Let's say for argument's sake, in 2018, the Giants win the Super Bowl and Eli is, you know, continues to follow his brother's decline, sort of thing. Do you think he retires early? He could. I mean, uh, I think you know his skill set right now is a lot better than where Peyton was a corpse by the time they won that Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah. I'm serious. I mean, no, he yeah, was, he they, was. they won in spite of him and even that whole playoff run. Eli is still, even if he has a significant drop-off, will still be functional. I don't think he's going to be at that point where he gets cut and nobody really wants him and it's why he retires. Yeah, I think so. But I think no matter what, this is Eli's last couple of years. I don't think he's getting a contract after the end of this one. Do you? No, 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 no. I think uh, I'm really kind of holding my breath that he doesn't fall completely off the cliff starting as soon as this year. Yeah. No, I, I'm think, right. I'm right there with you. That's what I'm saying. If if you win the Super Bowl, why even bother playing the next year unless you have like a legitimate shot to to repeat or something like that? I I just kind of go out, go off on the sunset. Yeah, he he had been playing for you know 13, 14 years, taking up tons of tons of beating on the body. You no, know, never missed a game, and never yeah, missed a game. That, yeah. that might be the case. In any case, let's worry about the post Super Bowl victory quarterback problems when when that situation arises. So. <laughs> yeah. The, the problems for after we win it all. Yes. So in, in my opinion, we want somebody who's going to be able to have the size to complement our other wide receivers. Uh, so 
I kind of looked at a few guys that I think are are targets for the Giants because I think that's what they're looking for. And one that I think could last to 23 is Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Uh, Corey Davis is 6'3" and 209 pounds he's not a burner by any means but he did run a 4 5 40 i mean that's not slow and he has what i like to call deceptive speed it's that that i have the ball second gear you know what i mean where you run you're running routes against the same guy six plays in a row and you kind of get used to what his top gear is until he gets the ball and then he's really running for the end zone then he hits this other gear that you're not used to i think beckham kind of has the same thing that open field turbo speed. Right. <laughs> so he's got this sneaky speed that you kind of forget about just how fast he is. And he can go deep from time to time. Uh, but what he does really well is he's another guy who's a red zone threat because of his size and because of his ability to make contested catches. Uh, he's great. In, in fact, this entire draft class, the, the upper half of the wide receivers are all really good in the open field for a variety of reasons. But they're they're all scary once they have the ball in their hands. What do you think about these guys as far as blocking downfield? Because, you know, our offense is so predicated on the quick, quick release, quick release, you know, and, and requiring these receivers to be pretty good blockers. That's interesting. Um that's one where I don't expect to see much from John Ross because I I did not see very much of it and because his size is against him. By the way, John Ross is also only 188 pounds. That's 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 pretty light. But Corey Davis and Mike Williams are ones that uh they're they're physical guys, both of them. And they can they can mix it up a little bit, especially when you have coaches telling them that when I think of Giants wide receivers that didn't do very well blocking downfield, I think I don't know about you, but I think of recently uh, Ruben Randall. Mm-hmm. It's it's well, like I, that like took, lack of effort kind of thing. Yeah, the guy took plays off. He was running routes. Never mind even trying to, uh, you know, block downfield. So yeah. yeah, but I mean that a lot of that has to do with the physicality that you see in them. And he was he was a guy who avoided contact. You know what I mean? Even when he had the ball, mm-hmm. I don't see that from these two guys, from Mike Williams and Corey Davis. These guys welcome the contact. They like to win those fifty fifty matchups. They like to grapple. Um, so those two I expect to to be good blockers downfield. Not this whole draft class, though. That's an interesting point that you pointed out there. I'm very interesting. That's why. <laughs> you know, so Corey Davis. Corey Davis is a guy I could legitimately see sitting there when we were picking on the clock. And it's going to depend on how things tumble. He's a legitimate shot to be our pick and be the guy who mixes in with Brandon Marshall and eventually replaces him. Or, like you said, could be a replacement for Beckham should we not be able to re-sign him. Which, by the way, the Giants picked up Odell Beckham's fifth year. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Smart move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Captain um, Obvious became our GM over the break. and uh... <laughs> You say that, but I think a lot of teams wish they had Captain Obvious as their GM. <laughs> a lot of other teams in the New York City region. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of people in the, uh, the Cleveland, Ohio area right now <laughs> wish they have a Captain Obvious, but... <laughs> there are two other guys that I looked at. One that I initially was high on and have dropped off since uh, that you may have seen a lot more of is Malachi Dupree from LSU. Mm-hmm. Naming Isabel, uh, the problem he had, like a lot of Florida receivers in the last couple of years, is that not have a quarterback to give him the ball. That's yeah. <laughs> you know, it's tough to really tell what these guys can really do when they can't consistently get the ball passed to them with any effectiveness so uh you know a, a big time talent big speed uh i don't know if he's a first round pick but he might be something we can pick up in a in a lower round yeah i um i initially thought that he would be you know there's a chance we would he wouldn't make to 55 in round two now i think he might make it to the third round 
just just based on the way he went from when I was watching him during the college season to now. Uh, other guys have shot up the board, etc., and he just kind of remains stagnant. He's one of those guys like Ruben Randall that I don't expect to be a big blocker downfield. Um, mm-hmm. But he is 6'2". He's 196 pounds. He's got good – in fact, if I were to describe him in one very short word, it's good. He's a good yeah. wide receiver. He's not going to wow. I don't think he'll ever wow. I think he'll be a career number three wide receiver. Do you want to spend a second round pick on a career number three wide receiver? Do I think we need a career number three wide receiver this year? I don't. So when I had first was watching him before everybody else shot up the board, I thought he might have a chance to really impact the offense. And of course, also at that time, we didn't have Brandon Marshall on the roster. So I was like, oh, you know, this is a big need. You know, this is a guy I should look at. He is not great in the red zone. But he is feisty with contested balls, which is something that I like to look for in guys. You know, in college, you can get away with sort of letting the ball come to you. In the NFL, that will never fly. You have to go up and get it. Um, And so that's what I look for in college-wide receivers is guys who go up and get it. Um, And Malachi Dupree does do that. He had to because the ball was never on target. Um, (laughs) But now I'm seeing him slip. He's just good. I I think he, he lacks the physicality. I think he sort of gives up sometimes. I question a little bit of his effort. He's just good, and I think at that point we're looking to fill other spots in the roster. But- yeah, so the, so the Giants are kind of in that weird spot for wide receiver drafting wise. It's you want to draft a potential project you can you know cultivate for a couple of years down the road, or you know do you want a guy who's going to be more than just number three? So I, my gut feeling is that we are going to get this you know depth at the wide receiver after cut down day. Yeah, or next year. Or next year, yeah. They may want to see what they have in Roger Lewis. To be honest with you. Or, you know, mm-hmm. there might be, like, an undrafted guy that slips to them that, that wows in camp and is able to stay on the roster. I mean, it happens. There's one other guy that I didn't know a lot about just based on the school that he played in and, you know, the schools I watch typically uh, and has risen very high. And I think if he were there in the second round for us, it's almost it's almost too good to pass up. And that's Isaiah Jones from East Carolina. If you haven't seen any... Any tape of Zay Jones, he's for real. This guy, I think, is going to wow a lot of people in the pros. Playing at East Carolina, he didn't get a lot of exposure, but did play good competition, good competition with, like, Virginia Tech, who has a a pretty good pretty good uh, history of churning out some secondary guys. Mm-hmm. But he kind of makes guys look like fools in college. He, he's 6'1". Uh, 202 pounds, ran a 4-4. He's a great route runner. In fact, some of his routes, he actually looks like Beckham, and I'm not I'm not screwing around either. He ran the same route that Beckham ran and scored a touchdown against Adam Jones in the Cincinnati Bengals this year. I, the, I'm, I'm pulling this completely out of thin air, so I don't expect anyone to remember this, but um, essentially, <laughs> Beckham ran a stop route inside the red zone where he kind of ran, posted up, and Jones came out of his zone coverage from behind him and while Beckham was sitting there waiting, he kind of wheeled back out, turned around, and ran to the end zone and was wide open. He, I, I watched Zay Jones do the exact same route, and it looked pretty identical, which is, you know, that's a scary thought to have two guys like that on the roster. Yeah, well, again, you think he'll be a, a guy that's going to hang around to the uh, our pick in the second round, or you think he's going to be unobtainable? It's, it's really difficult to say. I could see him going. I see the first round being absolute madness, by the way. I really yeah. think there's going to be some crazy trading going on like we haven't seen before. I think that there's going to be kind of like the Laramie Tunsil fall that happened. Just because it's absolute chaos, you're going to be seeing 
you know, these guys that we had been projecting to go in the top 10, like starting to tumble just because people are picking random things. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's going to be a position run type of uh, draft this year. I think you're going to see when the quarterbacks start to go, everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon and be afraid. Or you're going to see some trading up to be a part of that that run yeah i I agree i think linebackers are going to start to go early too i think like even even yesterday i was watching i was trying to ignore but nfl network had like a big crazy silly overproduced mock draft thing and hassan (laughs) reddick went like 15 or something like that that seemed like a little ridiculous um and i think they had the Giants picking like Evan Ingram or some other tight end that I project to be like more of a third round guy. They they were taking it twenty three, and I was like, I think that's really when it set into me that I have no idea how this draft is going to fall. So, you know, Zay Jones, I can't see him going in the first round. I think that's going to be absolute madness. But I can see him going near the top of the second. So it's it's conceivable that he would fall to us in the second at fifty five. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of overproduced mock drafts, you said you had one created that you were going to give to us. I don't have one created, but uh, I do have a best case scenario, and then what to do if if that doesn't pan out. Uh, okay. I think that with the Giants' need and the the best guy who could be around is Jared Davis. It's the only position on the roster where we have only one guy signed beyond next year. It seems like it's the only position on the roster where we don't really have a plan. When I really analyze this whole roster, I I, I can see like a plan. I can see sort of a, we'll see what happens with this guy. And, you know, we can, we can last a year like this. Or even the offensive line where they don't have the talent. So their plan was to just sign guys, throw everybody at the position, find out who's going mean, to, at least it was something. Linebacker, right. linebacker, it's it's just B.J. Goodson outside of next year. It's a plan we've not had at linebacker really since Jerry Reese has been here. That's you know very true. We we haven't really drafted for linebacker. You know, like we haven't invested a first round pick in the linebacker. We haven't really, you know, it it's always seems like we're picking up some spare parts and guys that have slightly passed their prime or something. So you're this is if there's ever a time to do it, now is the time to do it. Yeah. I think if Jared Davis is not there, the next guy on my list would be Garrett Bowles from Utah. We we know the tackle position's a total mess. Um, whether he plays left or right, I think he's going to end up playing right tackle, but there needs to be a plan at tackle. I think it would be a dream scenario for the light to turn on for Eric Flowers and get Garrett Bowles also. Because then it doesn't matter which side they play on. Your tackle went from a weakness to a strength. But if it doesn't click for Eric Flowers, at least you can switch them after next year what's your gut with eric flowers is that like going to go on part of the way not at all all the way what what do you think what do you think the uh, the end game is going to be with him i think he'll be labeled a bust because he was picked so high my gut feeling is he'll be a love him or hate him guy much like the way will Beatty was will Beatty was inconsistent year to year and i think that that's kind of eric flowers future and fans are fans are going to be on the fence with him yeah, I think every time, whenever he has a holding call the rest of his career, or the, when, whenever he whiffs on a block or something, he's always going to be thought of as, you're right, that bust and that, oh, he sucks, you know, and same with Eric Flowers. So even though his career might be, you know, salvageable, it might be efficient, it might even be, you know, grading slightly above average throughout the rest of his career, he's always going to have that with him because people, you know, the game of, of first opinion, it never goes away. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and that's why I think Garrett Bowles and Garrett Bowles, by the way, is the only one of those top three that I outlined that I really think the Giants are considering. I think Ryan Ramjic has too many red flags, and Cam Robinson is too not finesse enough for what they're looking for. So you're going so far, 
you are saying linebacker and then tackle is your first two dream scenarios. Yeah. And then if that's not there, I'm saying for sure Caleb Brantley, defensive tackle. The the hole in the middle of that defense, the heart of this run-stopping defense now has a bit of a gap. It's scary. Let's let's put a red flag on that one because I think the, what happened with the Josh Brown incident really, really affected the Giants. And I think they came off looking really, really bad. I hate to use the too soon cliche, and I don't I don't want to say somebody's guilty before proving guilty, but it might be too soon for Caleb Brantley to be drafted by the Giants. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how much he falls. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a very he said she said situation, but also the Gary and Conley news came out just just recently and is. A much more serious allegation because the police are involved. Uh, the way it came out was very murky and strange. Um, this this sounds like the Brantley situation too. The police are involved. It's it's a very murky situation. I I just think you know the perception of it will far outweigh the actual. Well, let know, me ask you a question. The, what do you think that that sort of Josh Brown situation played at all? a part in the Giants acquiring Brandon Marshall? Because remember, Brandon Marshall had some uh, domestic violence charges in his past. Yeah, but this is, seems like it's going to be a little more high profile because this just happened last weekend. Okay. The Brandon Mar- That's you know, a fair uh, point. Yeah, it's not everything ongoing always, with him anymore. Everything is always water under the bridge. You don't think about it. But this is something that happened or at least came to light last weekend. So we're talking, you know, 10 days ago. It's still fresh in everybody's mind. And it's going to be one of the storylines in the draft how far will he drop? So, you know, if, if he was someone who's going to be projected, he's probably projected mid-late first round anyway, so we picked him up at 23. It, that's not the storyline of him dropping, but it will definitely be the, you know, we just went through this whole thing with Josh Brown. We just didn't react in time. We didn't handle it well. And now all of a sudden you're drafting a guy that's might have beat the shit out of his girlfriend. So <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot of other guys that are similar in skill set and needs that we need that we, we probably would not touch him right now. That's that's a fair point. Um, there's always a, there's always a Cincinnati Bengals or, or a Las Vegas Raiders or a team like that who does, just does not care about public perception. And they will take best available regardless. So I don't think a guy like that will fall too, too far before one of those morally challenged teams will jump on him with no questions asked. You've seen this guy. He doesn't have a track record of anything like this, does he? No, no. That's what the strange – it sounds like one of those things where, you know, from what I – my sources in Gainesville tell me that he was banging his girlfriend's uh, best friend or something and was confronted outside of a bar. She came at him with a couple of slaps and pushes and a punch. He tried to defend himself and – you define what it means by his arm pushing her away to a punch. And the effect was that she had a bloody lip because of it. Cops came all over the place. The police report, there was two different police reports that were written up. Now she's going in for it. She's lawyering up. I don't know. And again, because the facts aren't known right now, it might be just too soon to touch. Yeah, I, I understand. And I, I don't want to get into the um, – she came in with a bloody lip. You are a defensive tackle who's NFL bound. Are you laying your hands on a woman at all? I don't care if she's hitting you in the face. Like just leave, man. You exactly. Know? So, especially, so and, I'm not going to defend the that moral all, issue. You know? Yeah, especially the timing of it too. I mean you should never be doing that in the first place, but especially when you're about to make millions of dollars and your future is on the line. True, yeah. yeah. I mean that's, that's the stupid aspect of it. The moral aspect of it is – you could beat the shit out of most men. I I would not. I would just you know put my hands in my pockets and leave. You know, <laughs> but whatever. That being the case, uh, 
we'll, we'll see what happens with him. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch, especially because he's a player of intrigue for me. Um, as far as the second round goes, I think ideally I'm looking at Zay Jones at 55. If he's there, I'm I am running to get him. Another guy that I really, really, really would take a good look at is Dan Feeney to play right guard for us because who knows what's going on. And it would be really interesting if the, if the draft fell Garrett Bowles in the first and then Dan Feeney in the second. There's a potential that you've completely changed the offensive line to a glaring weakness to uh, a position of strength for the future. Oh, and it'd be very interesting, the public perception of that too. I think you'd pe- people would be thrilled. Sure. You know, and again, it, is it the best thing for this team with, you know, not addressing other needs like tight end and, you know, linebacker i don't know but you you definitely would be you know there'd definitely be a lot of cheerleaders who'd be calling the fan on friday morning thrilled by that being the case yeah yeah sure i think another guy i'd really consider because he's tumbled i can't believe that he has tumbled this far i i know what happened and why it happened and i agree with it but but tease Tabor could easily be there at 55 that's amazing to me how he's fallen so far you know he had a kind of started running his mouth a little bit during the season you know he did not perform well in the uh, in the combine, uh, but he is a hell of a cornerback. Yeah, I mean, just just as an FYI, our projected starters at corner are Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple, with DRC playing mainly the slot. But beyond that, do you want to know what our backups are? Yeah, we saw that in the uh, Green Bay playoff game. What happened, and it yeah. was a complete meltdown. But it's even worse than that because we Trevin Wade is no longer on the roster. Our backups are officially Dante Dion, a second-year player who is 5'8 out of Boise State, and Antoine Blake, a special teams player. That's it. That's our entire cornerback depth. Yikes. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that is a position that I will be stunned if is not addressed in the top three rounds. So guys I'm looking at, Adoree Jackson from USC, Tease Tabor definitely from Florida, Quincy Wilson from Florida if he's there at 23. And, you know, the draft falls very unfavorably. I'm looking at Quincy Wilson. Later on, you know, if, we need, if we're looking specifically for slot corner because Eli Apple is young and so is Janoris Jenkins, Jordan Lewis from Michigan, Desmond King from Iowa, these guys are 5'10". They're more suited to the slot. Cam Sutton from Tennessee, 5'11", another guy I'm looking at. That's, that's got to happen in, in the top three rounds. I, I can't see them walking away with, with DRC's age and injury history, how he kind of sort of misses games here and there. He's always got like a nagging thing. If one of them goes down, whether it's Jenkins, and, Apple, or DRC, it's a disaster waiting to happen. And even when he wasn't hurt last year, he was slowly being – his number of uh, snaps – went down last year he was on the bench more than he ever had been with us so the the storyline was though that you know we just drafted eli apple we think he's ready to start and i think ben mcadoo and jerry reese and even higher than that john mara and steve tish are very much on this idea of we just drafted this guy with the number one pick he's playing that's it i don't want to hear anything besides that because tom coughlin was so against that we assume we assume that Tom Coughlin was the one that was super against that, and it seemed like wasted talent. You know, I think that had something to do with it. I think the other thing was that with DRC, they were trying to keep him from getting injured later in the year by reducing his snaps throughout the year because now they had this versatility. Those are the guys I have lined up to keep a, a serious eye on. Those are my dream scenario guys. Other guys to consider are guys like Forrest Lamp who might fall for some reason. But I don't think in the top two rounds I'm looking at quarterbacks. I don't think we're looking at running backs either, guys. Uh, I, unless Dalvin Cook falls, which he may, and even then I'm not so sure. What do you think of that? I think Dalvin Cook's either going to 
somebody's going to take a run on him and take him earlier than we think, or he's going to fall. I, 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 I can't see a team like the Bucks letting him pat, go, go past him. I could see somebody higher than you expect because the guy is a freak. You know, even with the injury concerns and his uh, off the field issues that he's had and fumbling issues, um, but, frankly. Yeah, I mean, remember what game was it? Uh, he just fumbled on his own. Just dropped. I think it, it was the uh, yeah that, that that playoff game against um, Oregon in 2015. He That's just right, was yeah. running for a touchdown and just fumbled it for no reason. Like I said, I I would not be shocked if he's up like around six or seven higher than we think, and that would not shock me. You know, if he starts. Yeah. So I think we need to be prepared for that. How upset would you be if if he had that Laramie Tunsil sort of situation where he tumbled and the Giants passed on Laramie Tunsil and that sort of became the thing that everybody talked about last year was did we really need Eli Apple? Eric Flowers is a liability. We should have taken Tunsil. Do you think that – Offensive line is so much more important than running back. I mean that – Laramie Tunsil on our – you know everything completely changes because he would – He'd be starting. Flowers would probably be moving. We'd have a whole different offensive line mindset. What we're going to doing now and in the future, you know, it completely changes how we look at this draft. It looks at everything. So running backs grow on trees. You you can get a guy with his skill set every year. You know, you don't have to be a top five pick. I mean, yeah. that's me. It was something where pot is different than domestic violence. Yes. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where you know the sixty five year old execs kind of like they freak out about it, but you know. It is legal oh. in many states now, so I mean, well, it's illegal in the NFL. That's I mean, true, it, but I'm just saying it's it's not right. From a, from domestic a violence issue. is not <laughs> legal anywhere. Half these guys smoke. Most of the guys in the stand smoke. It's just it's not as big of a deal as it was 15 years ago. It's it's not PEDs. It's not coke back in the 80s. It's it's a different thing, and I don't think you'd have the uh, you know. You, you wouldn't lump that in the same bucket as what the Josh Brown thing with the Giants would have been. So I, if he was – I think they made a mistake as much as, you know, Eli Apple was, you know, was and will be a good Giant. I would have jumped on Tunsil in a second. I, I'm going to agree with everything you said. Uh, I know that having a first-round guy running back is different than having – a fourth round guy running back or a fifth round guy running back. But that difference between that first round running back and the fourth round running back is much smaller than having a first round left tackle and a fourth round left tackle running backs. I know that he's the home run hitter, but they do grow on trees. Uh, a lot of Ahmad Bradshaw was a seventh round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And their shelf life consider. isn't as yeah. long either. Yeah, yeah that's also I mean- true. I mean, you're investing in something that's going to give you, you know, uh, yeah, of course some of these guys may last seven, eight years, but, What's the average? Three and a half, four years in the NFL? Something like that. That's how I see the draft unfolding uh, the next couple of nights in, in dream scenarios for the Giants. What do you think? Did I did I miss anybody? No, I mean, I think you pretty much hit all the points I would have picked. I mean, I think it's one of the, the drafts is one of the things you have to react to. You know, you, know, you can't be proactive with a plan because your plan's going to be jacked up, you know, pretty much after pick two. So it's just kind of having having a, a solid board that you're committed to, and you're not going to waver off of. You know, if you rank guys, and these are the these are the 150 guys we rank them in order, and you know they've been doing this for months now. You just stick to your your board, and it might look a little goofy on the outside. And and this is the one thing I need to say to Giant fans is listen, especially guys in the Northeast who don't watch college football as much as other places in the country. Don't freak out if we pick somebody you've never heard of and start booing and bitching and moaning and calling Mike Francesa saying that you need to fire Jerry Reese. They know a lot more than you do. And because you've seen a couple of YouTube clips or you watch that little 30-second montage 
after Chris Berman announces the pick, evaluate two, three, four years down the line. It's kind of like recruiting. You know, when they say, oh, Florida State had the number one draft class, uh, recruiting class on signing day, and go back a year from now and see who transferred and who failed out of school and stuff. Don't overreact. We know what the needs are in this team, but guess what? Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo and everybody in that war room, they all know a lot more than we do. So, you know, just, and also, don't read these who won or lost based on round one. Like, I know USA Today loves to do that on Friday. Who are the winners and losers? It's horseshit. Nobody knows anything right now. So let the whole draft play out. Let's see how they do in OTAs in, in, in the fall in that first year. Then we can do an evaluation. But I also caution all Giants fans to not be super positive right after the draft. This is nonsense right now. We have no idea what these guys are really capable of. I, we have, I, I, shit, I don't even know what I'm talking about half the time. I only can tell you what I see against other college opponents and what I think they can grow into. The choice is on them as players on how much they want it and – Super Bowls are won in February, not in April. So yeah. a, a Teddy Bridgewater may never play again in his life based on a freak accident injury that happened before the season started. Anything right. can happen, and there's no reason to be overly positive or over, overly negative. You can only be hopefully opt- optimistic after this. Right, and 95% of you out there, the only time you've ever seen these guys, you're seeing their greatest highlights. You're seeing that clip package of them, an offensive lineman pancake tackling somebody or a defensive lineman just completely dominating. You're not watching you know, all 13 games of a season. You're not watching everything where you see the, the good and the bad of these players. So you know, if we draft somebody in the first round and again, we see that 30-second montage, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, book our Super Bowl flights right now. Like, just chill yeah and quite frankly none of us no matter how much tape we watch are seeing these guys in the weight room seeing them on the practice field or you know slapping their girlfriends around we we don't know like all of these things that will affect their future so these are all things to consider you know when checking your emotions on draft day in the coming days after the draft we'll 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 definitely do an episode recapping the draft from an nfc east standpoint Mainly focusing on us, but of course our our two time a year opponents every year, and then we'll we'll take a quick look at the upcoming schedule, especially now that at, at that point the draft will be done, and there will be some free agency waves that are going to come right after the draft that will mm-hmm. come we'll we'll come at you with with our takes on free agency signings within the division within the league. We have plenty of topics we can cover between now and uh, you know as and we OTAs. get ready for yeah. and OTAs, and then you know getting closer to the summer. So yeah, sure. And having said that, it's time to get ready to watch the draft. <laughs> yeah. I will be live tweeting the the draft all three days. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at football underscore grump. You can follow our podcast at, at just giants pod or send us an email at just giants podcast at gmail.com. You can follow me at the cranky fan and you can listen to my companion show, Mark and the cranky fan, where we discuss all things Florida Gator, football, basketball, baseball, and both of these shows are on SoundCloud. I guess the only place you can find us now because we've been too lazy to actually set up an iTunes account, so we will do that shortly. Um, one thing on my other show, we I, we do talk about the uh, the Caleb Brantley situation from a, a Gator point of view and uh, you know what this impact will be in the drafting going forward, so be sure and check that out too. All right. That's it for us until draft time, so go Giants. Go Giants.